And when you get up to, like, I think at five, you you can't move anymore. Like, your speed drops to zero. <laughs> but <laughs> can you still attack? <laughs> Wheel me to that dragon! <laughs> Swoop me! <laughs> <laughs> You have to have another barbarian just to carry you. <laughs> Welcome to Monsters of Multiclass, your Dungeons & Dragons fix. I'm Kevin Odie. I'm Jared Bornigal. And I'm Will Milton. And we'll be hanging out with you for a while to talk about anything and everything D&D related. This week we're taking a look at the Barbarian Fighter Multiclass, and then later on the Kuo Toa from the Monster Manual. I hate that pronunciation. Mm-hmm. So bad. Um, yeah, pull up a chair, stick around. We're, we're just going to complain about the pronunciation of that word phrase name i don't know we're keeping it i'm not <laughs> doing this <laughs> all right so before we get into our multi-class just wanted to say that we're going to be doing a cross-promotional thing with our friends the crafty gamers a company that provides tabletop inspired merchandise we'll be talking more about that at the promotional break after our multi-class. But it involves a giveaway. Uh, it does involve a giveaway, and it involves smelly stuff. In a good way. So, <laughs> Perfect teaser. I, I am very intrigued. <laughs> good. Smelly stuff. Good. Well, uh, stick around to the end of the multi-class, Kevin, and you can find out. But you cannot enter into the giveaway. That seems just kind of silly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so our multi-classes this week are the... F- Barbarian and the Fighter. When I say Fighter first, Kevin gets upset because alphabetical order. So, the Barbarian and the Fighter. Uh, The Barbarian is a martial class that's main class feature is its rage ability, reduces damage incoming, and allows it to do more damage outgoing. So, it's great at that. Fighter is kind of the same deal, but there's no rage ability. They are the tactical martial class. Really one of the I don't know if simplest class in the game is the best way to put it, but the concept of it is definitely the simplest. They're a fighter. They're good at fighting. Uh, so two martial classes. The strength, or I think strength is the only requirement that we need to meet in order to satisfy this multi-class. 13 strength for both of them. Uh, fighters can be 13 dexterity. You have an option, but you've got 13 strength, which is going to happen. So... First thoughts. I'm sure you guys are going to talk about how bad this is going to be. Uh, Will, it's kind of it's kind of good, man. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! Stop the presses. Will, was, you like this multi class? You like a multi class? It's this is interesting because you look at uh, Fighter Barbarian, and if you don't really put any thought into it, it ostensibly seems like Wizard Sorcerer, but it's the opposite. Martial classes, especially martial classes this similar just mesh really well. Right. You can pick and choose the skills that you want out of each side. Flavor-wise, it's like perfect. You know, you hit stuff. You hit <laughs> stuff. That end of, end of story. You're a hit stuff enthusiast. Maybe you like getting mad sometimes. Maybe you like training with weapons other times. Perfect. <laughs> Kevin? Yeah, of course this is good. I mean, this is like the given barbarian fighter. It's It's hard to go wrong with it. It's... The attributes line up perfectly. There's really no reason to have to stretch for different attributes or anything like that. And it's just kind of picking and choosing what you want from them. The only thing I would say is maybe you need to look at what you're slowing down or giving up by doing this. Because both classes do get a lot of good stuff at pretty much every level as they level up. Right. And you're effectively slowing it down. So it is being able to action surge 
once or twice a day worth slowing down barbarian stuff or you know it's just kind of or being able to rage twice a day is that worth slowing down your extra attacks which fighters get a bunch of it's I'm inclined to say the answer is probably yes, but right. you know it's something you need to consider. No, definitely. I think that's the the number one thing. Is just it uh, it sounds so simple, and it is very simple overall. But there's still some traps here that you can make this. You can think, oh, barbarian fighter, it's just going to work. No matter what I do, I can just throw these two together, and it's going to be great. But I think there's a couple of times where you have to just stop and really consider what you're doing. The first one with any two martial classes is at level five you get an extra attack for both of them that can be a very wasted level uh so is it worth it is it good for you to take that kind of crappy level to continue on with the multi-class in both it depends really on what you're trying to go for also the fact that barbarians get a lot from not wearing armor whereas this is Definitely fighters are, are going to wear heavy armor almost always. So is it mm-hmm. worth it to sacrifice that AC from heavy armor in order to try and go down the barbarian armor path, which is dexterity and constitution? Right. Or you can still wear medium armor. You can still wear medium. What's That's medium true. top out at like 17, I think? I think so. 15 yes. plus 2. Yeah. That's what disadvantage. So what are you you're losing? One? Pretty much, yeah, then plates gives you 18. Yeah. It's not bad, but it is a thing that you will be losing. Um, Barbarians can use shields, which is good compared to like monks, where even touching a shield just completely ruins any ability they'd ever have. Uh, Drains all your martial prowess. Right. You're like, oh, I forgot how to punch people. How are we going to beat this monk? Just throw shields at him. (laughs) (laughs) My weakness. Monk kryptonite. (laughs) So... There are also some ways that I feel like you can step on flavor um, with the subclasses more than anything. Something like a samurai and a totem barbarian don't really mesh at all, in my opinion. You're not like getting anything out of that where you're like, oh, I'm a, I'm a samurai, I'm a trained warrior, and also I really like animals. <laughs> that like, is, I, there, There's no reason it doesn't, but... At the same time, you're like, yeah, but why? Yeah, it feels a little forced. So I, I think all of them have, every single subclass from both sides has things that mesh very well, though, which is the alternative. I think everything can work with the opposite, except for range stuff. What do you mean? Like, is it range, every fighter subclass, except for like Arcane Archer, oh. has some barbarian subclasses. You are right. Other way works too. Yeah, I thought you said rage no, stuff. Range. Said range with an N. Got it. Right. Also, samurai is actually kind of wasting their ability. They could give themselves advantage. Right. For a minute or reckless. something like that. Yeah. But barbarians just get reckless attack. So it's a different way to go about it. The samurai has a, you could do it based on a limited resource where the barbarian, you have a penalty for doing it, but it does not seem worth taking both. No. I mean, you do get temp HP as well with the samurai when you use that on a bonus action on your turn. You gain it. You give yourself advantage on weapon attack rolls until the end of the current turn. When you do so, you gain 5 temp HP, and that increases as you level up. Right. That's nice. And what's the limit on that again? You can use this feature three times, and you that's per long rest. Right. So you do not get those back on a short rest. Um, whereas Reckless Attack, you can use it as often as you want, but once again, everything gets advantage on attacks against you. Right. So your call, which one's worth it, if you do want to go the, the Samurai Barbarian route. And I think there you can... 
really potentially argue samurai barbarian i just don't think the totem one really works because it's got a very like heavy focus on nature and kind of like this this tribal connection i mean if you wanted to do like path of the ancestral guardians sure samurai works great there for sure yeah Um, I, i i like that flavor i think it works well um there might be a couple other instances where you know you just get as you said arcane archer with really any barbarian i don't think works well uh, no that, to that's... get to get to it the barbarian is not meant to do range stuff and nothing he does benefits you in any way there. no no so it's just going to be straight straight damage the the melee stuff it's good i mean say the the rage definitely adds something you're not taking damage as much you're resistant to all physical damage which is great. Well, physical is not the right way to put it. It's uh, bludgeoning, piercing, slashing. So, cool, great. You can tank more, right? The, the can... rage pickup is universally a great addition to the fighter. Yeah, th- there's really no penalty to it. The only thing is if you're just going a couple levels into Barbarian, you're only getting it twice. Right. Twice a day. Um, Still <clears> great? Yeah, for sure. Third, Even third level, though, gets you three rages per day. Yeah. Which, I mean, if you're multi-classing... Is almost always going to be going to at least third level. I will say, though, that I mentioned earlier, like at fifth level, they both get extra attack. If you started as fighter and then went into barbarian, this is one of the few that I could almost see an argument for going past fifth level or going into fifth level and further. Um, Fifth level itself isn't going to be too great. You get fast movement, which increases your walking speed by 10 feet if you're wearing that medium armor or nothing. So you're at least getting something out of fifth level. And then after that, you go into your path features, depending on your path, sixth level can be all right for barbarians. So there's actually one of the few times where it's like, maybe you take a crappy level and you just move on. Depends on what you're missing out on, on fighter and what your overall build is going for. Right. You know, if that keeps you from getting, if you're like one away from level 11 as a fighter, otherwise, which would mean you're up to like, really high levels at that point. Um, And yeah, you know, you don't want to miss out on your extra attack, but if it means missing another, I don't know, ability score increase, meh, whatever. I mean, ASIs are nice, but fighters get a ton of those. Yeah, definitely. Oh, and which is another reason why multi-classing than a fighter always kind of works out well. Right. Nice thing. The extra ability score improvements, we had a what, four, six, eight, I don't think it's 10. No. But then 12, 14, 16, where everyone else is every four levels, four, eight, 12. Right. No, that's that's easily the, the best part because one of the downsides of multi-classing a lot of times is it makes feats feel very unobtainable. Whereas with the fighter, it's like, yeah, I mean, do I really need to raise my strength again? Let me take a feat. That'll be much better. Right. I mean, something like this combined with Sentinel. Yep. You know, it's just going to be Gray awesome. Weapon master. Gray Weapon Master. Gray Weapon Master. Any of those. I mean, all of the the great martial feats, which I think those are the three. I don't know if there's other, but regardless, they're there, are just going to make this so much better. And and going fighter makes it less scary to give up an ASI there. For sure. Uh, To talk some specifics, you could build a character that's kind of focused more on doing crits. Uh, barbarian whatever and however high you're going with them, they're, they're barbarian being your main focus. And then three level dip into fighter. And go ultimately going champion. 
So at first level, you're going to get a fighting style, which of course is going to be really beneficial for a barbarian. And they get, I think, any fighting style. So take like great weapon fighting or something like that. You get your second win, you get your action surge, and then take a level in champion, which gives you improved critical. So then you crit on 19 to 20. And then barbarians get their brutal critical. If they crit, they get to add additional weapon dice onto the crit, and that goes up as they go into it. And then just for fun, be a half orc, mm-hmm. which they get. Is waiting for it. Yeah, where you just basically get another one of those dice. Yeah, I think you get to reroll one. Yeah, no, you just get an additional damage die. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so in this case, at level nine for the barbarian, if you're a right. half orc, you're getting four. Oh, I'm sorry, three damage die for your criticals. Right. One, your normal. Two for your barbarian crit. No, I guess it'd be four. It would be four. You're getting two additional. That's pretty crazy. So to paint like a really optimized thing, this is a great point of using a uh, D12 weapon. Yeah. Yes. Four D12 on an attack is kind of scary. Yeah. Yeah. 10% of the time. Yep. (laughs) 10%. If if you're level, when you're level 12, that would be. Because nine in Barbarian, three in Fighter. Right. Pretty impressive. Yeah. So you're getting four D12. If you go... um, What's uh, to get the fighting style of Grey Weapon Fighter? I think it is the rerolls. Yeah, yeah, one of them lets you reroll. I can. I always mix up Grey Weapon Weapon Fighter and Great Weapon Master. I don't know why they didn't Great Weapon Fighting. Okay, they really should have split those up more. <laughs> um, that usually is better with a great sword. So maybe, well, I guess you really wouldn't go that route. The D twelve is still going to be better. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, rerolling those ones and twos is still pretty nice for sure. I've always thought that it was an underrated build. Nobody really likes champion because there's just not much to it. And like what a fourth of their things is the uh, just useless adding your strength to things you're not already adding your strength to or something. But if you do kind of crit max it, you can really do explosive amounts of damage, especially this is only champion. But once they get to 18 through 20 crit, that is a lot of crits. It is. When do they get that? That's like at... Uh, 18th, 19th, or 17th 15th level. 15th level. That's a long way to go. Yeah, but, it is. You yeah. know... So that's outside of the multi-class. That's just as a champion. But I still think that's good. Perfect world, as usual. You know, if you're going like 17 into fighter, 3 in barbarian, that's pretty good. You're not going to be able to get the brutal criticals. Right. Honestly, I think you might be better off trying to get that brutal critical. Yeah, I agree. And then... This is talking perfect level 20, I know. But if you are 11th level fighter, 9th level barbarian, you're getting three attacks. And when those crit on a 19 or 20, you're getting that four damage die, all D12s. I mean, you're going to be putting out some damage. (laughs) Right. On the other side of that, though, I don't know if I'd want to play that character where it's all just based around the dice roll. Like, even more so than D&D already is. Right. Where it's like, you're kind of, you're just okay, unless you're critting. Yeah, that character would actually be cursed with ones. Yep. I guarantee it. (laughs) Crits like three times the entire campaign. Like, I built my entire class around this. Well, you know, them's the breaks, kid. Well, that's the complaint about champion is, what do you do? I run up and hit it. Yeah. Well, you said, we've said this about barbarians too. What do you do? I rage. And then I go run up and hit it. Right. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's definitely going to be, in my opinion, more fun choices 
First off is Battlemaster. I love Battlemaster. I think it's probably my favorite fighter subclass. Mm -hmm. You know, it's simple. It's kind of generic fighter. But, you know, you're getting these crazy maneuvers that turn the tide in your favor, like trip. You can trip somebody, do some extra damage on that, and now you're getting advantage on those attacks. So that's great. You're actually, you know, putting some thought into what you're doing instead of just running up and hitting it. So... That's one good start. Um, Going into Barbarian doesn't hurt you at all, as your maneuver saving DC is 8 plus proficiency plus strength or dex, depending on what you're using. In that case, it'd probably be strength. For sure. Whereas when I tried multi-classing into a Battlemaster as a Paladin, that kind of hurt me. um, Because we were pretty high level when I finally got third level into Battlemaster. And at that point, my save DC was like 14. And... Really not that much was getting tripped or getting frightened or whatever I had because, you know, I I already made my choice of going into charisma or whatever. Um, Where this one, it's like, what choice? What are you talking about? My strength's already 20 and um, what is it? Proficiency bonus. We'll ignore that. We'll say 13 plus whatever your proficiency bonus is. You're going to be pretty high up on that save DC pretty quickly. For sure. Uh, And then you just take whatever one makes sense. I mean, I feel like even just a three level dip into barbarian and again three rages a day adding plus two damage on all of those hits because you're raging and then you're just a really good battle master <laughs> yeah yeah I mean, and you could go like ancestral uh guardian and their first ability is really great where if you're raging and the the first thing that you hit it like sends your ancestors on them or whatever and that's uh, enemy has disadvantage on anybody except for you and if they hit anyone else that person has resistance to the damage type so you could actually have like a tanky fighter right right and you're you're doing a great job of just making sure that you're the one focused you run up to the big bad evil guy whatever right. or the the boss of the fight and hit them first and you say i got this you guys take care of the little guys right you know? And that's going to be very helpful at just controlling the battlefield and and making sure that, you know, when your wizard is casting a spell and concentrating on it, they can hold it because they're not going to get that big damage thrown at them because it's going to be thrown at you or they're going to have a, you know, disadvantage on the attack at least. Um, And, you know, Ancestral Guardians just kind of continues that uh, ability. Like even at six level, they can use the reaction and just reduce damage which is also really good. It's, it is a lot of stuff that protects your your casters, right. which can be very important and somewhat hard to do when you are the fighter and you're like, I need to lock down this area and then something just leaves and you're like, oh, well, I can't really follow. So good luck, wizard. I <laughs> expect you to do your best. It's like, well, at least you can reduce the damage by 2d6. Now the saving throw for their concentration is easier to maintain. Right. Things like that make it just a really good choice, actually. I, I think I like Ancestral Guardian for, for this build a lot. For sure. And then there's also always the classic Barbarian. Totem right. Totem Warrior. Which is probably the best three-level dip you can mindlessly pick as a fighter. Right. Yeah. How can you argue with it? Resistance to all damage except for Psychic. Yep. Great. Yep. Well Raging, <laughs> which you would have three times a day of. And when, when you're Raging, you get plus two to all your attacks, advantage on the strength throws, and you also get Reckless Attack. And then um, three levels of D12 for hit die instead of D10. That's something we very rarely oh, mention, yeah. but that is it's a nice yeah. little health bonus. Yep. Yeah, no, that, that scales pretty, I mean, not scales, just that's a nice bonus. Yeah, and you're not, a little bit extra health. Right, why not? Yep. Yeah, they both have the same saving throws, strength and dex, so that doesn't really matter there. 
And you're probably not going to be wearing heavy armor, so it really doesn't matter when you go in first. But yeah, yeah. I mean, there might be some like just skills that you get. You probably get skills with fighter, but I don't think you get any skills going into barbarian. Sure, you get something. Not what I'm saying when you uh, multi-class into barbarian. Oh, I wouldn't okay. expect you to. Um, it's possible. Saying. I don't. I don't have it up because it's not like we're doing a multi-class podcast. <laughs> or I should just have quick reference to that. Didn't you say you were going to go over the rules of multi-class because I admitted I don't know them? Yes. One of these days. We'll do that one of these days. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, I mean, Fighter's got a lot more options on the uh, generic skill pick, but this half of it's the damn same. Right. I I will say, though, this is probably one of the better grappler characters you could make. Poor K. Why? I don't know. I feel like you don't even have to think about it. It's just like, yeah, I mean, I got advantage on strength. While raging, great. Right. You're fighter, so you yeah. can battle master, do mm-hmm. some like trips okay. and such. It just kind of combo well. Yeah. Okay. The battle master is what makes it. Otherwise, yes. it's just just being a barbarian. Yeah. No. Totally. Um, is mm-hmm. what would do it. But yeah, the battle master being able to take the attack action. Right. The first attack they hit, they use the trip attack, knock them prone. Second is used to then grapple. Right. And so then they're prone. Right. So you still get your hit in and do damage while also ending it with them prone and grappled. Right. Because usually that takes your entire turn. And then two weapon fighting. You, do it. you just take your, your bonus action, make another attack. <laughs> sure. Can you two weapon? Oh, you just hit him. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, Go for action. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, nothing's stopping you there. Yeah. Yeah. And raging. I don't know if I said it gives you, giving you advantage on the grapple trucks. Mm-hmm. Great. Yep. Yeah, if you're the barbarian, then as it inevitably beats up on you because you have it pinned, you just laugh, hmm? just laughing the entire time. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it's all resistance. Ah, I'm a bar- barbarian. Plus, its attacks would have disadvantage anyway. So it's so mean. That'd be frustrating. Uh, in single yeah. target combat, this thing is just going to explode stuff. Yep. In in such great ways. I mean. The only chance you have is basically sending an army against it, being like, <laughs> "Yeah, you can't just single them out. You gotta, you gotta fight through thirty of my minions. Go have fun, right. <laughs> or just larger enemies. If it's that, huge, yeah, or more, they can't. This won't work. That's true. That's true. Is there until they get enlarged from enlarge reduce? There we go. I, I know that the the grappler feat sucks. I'm just trying to remember. Does it let you ignore the size? No, they, no, they no? clarified that that bullet point means nothing. <laughs> well, it was good. one of the most frustrating errata I've ever seen. It's like, yeah, that one. Uh, no, that's not a thing. We changed the rules associated. Ignore it. Like, oh my god. On. Yeah, because I could see that being like a, a benefit. Then it's like, oh great, I can you know grapple huge creatures. No, you just need a pocket wizard. <sighs> Perfect, and you can be enlarged at least. Yeah, it's okay. One thing I would like to mention. So, 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 such a bad feat. Are you looking it's it so, up? Yeah, I was just double checking what was on it. Could you please just, for for the folks at home who maybe not uh, too familiar with Grappler. So first point's not terrible. You have advantage on attack rolls against a creature you are grappling. Okay, but if that's you have good. But if you have them prone and grappled, you do anyways. Right. Um, then you can use your action to try and pin a creature grappled by you. By you. To do so, make another grapple check. If you succeed, you and the creature are both restrained. Until the grapple ends. So, so it's an entire action to do what shove to does. apply, yeah, restrained to both of you versus you can use half of your attack action or one attack of your attack action to knock them prone and apply as basically apply restraint to them because they're grappled. So their speed is zero. So they can't stand up and the right. they're prone. 
melee attacks have advantage on them and they have disadvantage on attacks very similar to restrained anyways without applying it to yourself yeah that's uh called an oversight i believe (laughs) hey you can do something worse you're actually worse at grappling because you now have that option (laughs) yeah yeah, restrained i I guess the, the differences are if they are just restrained all attacks have advantage not just attacks within five feet Oh. Where if it's prone, attacks not within five feet are actually a disadvantage. And also, which is it's a really small point, but I guess it's technically a difference. And then also restrained creatures have disadvantage on deck saves, and there's nothing with that with prone. There isn't. Oh. The problem okay. with that is a lot of the deck saves you may or may not be making will blow you up too. Right. So, right. Well, I mean, not not entirely true. Because if like your cleric is casting sacred a cantrip, flame. yeah, sacred flame. Really just all all cantrips. And stuff that are single target. That it's just Sacred Flame, man. It's not just Sacred Flame. That's the only worthwhile one that yeah, I can think of. No, you might be save. right, actually. Well, it's unimportant. A deck save cantrip. Yeah. yeah. Or just spell Create in general. Single fire. target deck save. Disintegrate. If you want to disintegrate something, you can grapple. In that rare instance, this would be a good idea. Yeah, I'm sure you have no better ways to hold somebody at that level, right? Yeah. Maybe... Uh, <laughs> Old person that would spook me if i was like pinning a guy to the ground it's like get him with the most powerful disintegrating <laughs> spell in the game i'll hold him i've got him on his neck i could literally attach to this guy shoot him with a laser that will turn him into dust <laughs> <laughs> well you're a barbarian so i'm sure you trust the wizard um <laughs> uh, what what other uh barbarian subclasses work here there's the zealot. I mean, does that do anything particularly interesting? Zealot's with this? initial zealot. one kind of sucks. Uh, you do some extra damage, right? Mm, it's wait. No, I'm talking. Oh no, I'm thinking the rage beyond death. Uh, you are thinking of a different one. Oh that might be no, no, I'm thinking of the second one of the zealot warrior of the gods, where raise dead doesn't cost money. Yeah, that's not that's that more interesting. Ribbon ability, but it's uh, a really kind of great ribbon ability because it's not very useful, but at the same time, it's incredibly right. useful. and it's not the only thing they get at that yeah. level. I will say, though, if you're just looking to, like, not change up your play style at all when you go into this, uh, Divine Fury is pretty nice. You do 1d6 plus half your Barbarian level. Uh, The first thing that you attack for for that turn while raging. Some extra damage. Yeah. You know, Um, potential of 8, minimum of 3. Going back to Fighter, uh, this is... I don't know if you guys have looked at the Brute, but the Brute almost unofficially was positioned as an alternative to the champion yeah and you'll notice a lot of overlap with what the barbarian is giving you in the brute subclass oh. right but it's ua it is UA. which that's the only I mean, one we I as a table use but it's not we don't really cover it in the podcast no i'm, I'm moving away from that i feel like the right. recent uas have made me kind of nervous about letting it at the table unless we like admit that this is like oh that going to change yeah I, well, I thought you meant you're moving away from one now why didn't cover it in the podcast. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah no, we won't cover it. Yeah. That's fine. I guess we haven't talked about that in a long time. So just in case anybody is curious, our reasoning is the UA changes so much. They'll put something out. It could be absolutely ridiculous and never touched again. And we don't want to put this episode out there. And using UA to justify something, which, you know, a year from now is completely irrelevant, completely changed. So we, we just kind of stick to officially published. And it basically says material. on there, like, this stuff is not to be multi-class. Yes, that's like, true. Yeah, for sure. It's not ready for that. So, yeah, yeah so we just ignore it. That's yeah. fine. So at our table, yes, if somebody wants to play a UA, we generally allow it. The most recent, like, 
six classes that came out in rapid succession. By the time this episode comes out, it might be eight, to be honest, because they seem to be really hammering home the uh, the new subclasses. Make me more nervous. They feel like they're just like kind of thrown out there and like not just really seeing what sticks. And... Yeah, yeah, which is fine. Which, yeah, I think it's, it's a good way to do UA. I don't think it's a good way to allow it at your table not a long-term campaign no 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 no. yeah it's like yeah let's do a one shot i want to do the paladin heroism ua fine whatever i don't care i haven't actually read those oh really not not the last one well uh jokes on you this is actually the podcast where we're talking about those uas Uh, even though we just got through saying that no guys guys they're so good (laughs) like a a warlock that's like kragans and stuff that one i did read i thought it was cool but you guys didn't like it no, I liked that one. I didn't like the goo sorcerer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're a sorcerer and you're also covered in slime. I don't care. But you like spore druid. Yeah, because I'm not slime. covered in spot. Yeah, I, I'm not just slimy. I'm like moldy. Mold stuff. <laughs> it's different. It's what if it's slime mold? Slime molds. Well, that actually would be cool. <laughs> I can make them like eat stuff. <laughs> make it do a maze. Yeah, you've seen that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I take it back. Science is super cool. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm completely off track. Uh, what were we talking about? No, you're us? talking about the brute. And what yeah. I'm saying about the brute is not about multiclassing. I'm saying that a lot of what you would be getting out of this, you could get through the brute because it is just doing more damage. It's a lot yeah. like a barbarian multiclass minus the damage resistance. Right. And That's... it is also one of the few UAs I actually like and has stuck around for a long time so it's kind of in the sense like the the divine soul sorcerer is sort of like sorcerer with cleric already mm-hmm. and then the celestial warlock also with cleric yeah well, yeah, yeah it's those make like those, more those sense because they're already mixed yeah you wouldn't think that that would exist but they did a decent job mixing these two classes into just a non-multi-class right and that's fair and I think that's, I, I like those classes still. They usually do kind of just like, you know, you try putting it together with the other class and you're like, I don't really see why I do this. Like, oh, this yeah. is kind of pointless. Yeah. yeah. It's also worth noting that a lot of people, like not a lot of people at who listen to this podcast are going to be like, oh, I don't know if I can handle a multi-class, but a lot of people at the tables of people who might listen to this podcast would probably prefer just to have one class. Yeah. yeah. No, it's totally true. <clears throat> I mean, I think we should change that because, you know. Multiclassing is really not that hard. <laughs> I still don't actually know how you do it, man. Oh my god! You keep saying that. I've only that ever done. Not true. All right, I've only ever done forty-six. <laughs> a one-level dip in a multiclass. That's true. That's true. But I've done it twice. We're here to theory craft. Man. Every time it was warlocks. I've only done it once, and it was a three-level dip into fighter. It's not about how often you do it. It's about how long you look at the numbers. We also have a tendency to pay, play long, very long right. campaigns with long-term characters. That does kind of limit. If we kept doing a bunch of one-shots, I bet we would all have a lot more crazy yeah. multi-classes under our belts. But. Yeah. Either way, I guess I'll just take this and say, Will, if you try and undermine our authority as multi-class experts, I swear to God. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyways, yeah, so trust us, because we're really smart. We're all smart guys. Uh, <clears throat> uh, how do you feel about Eldritch Knight? <laughs> I don't like Eldritch Knight. I don't, I mean, Eldritch Knights by themselves are fine, but with, not, a, barbarian, with a barbarian. No, that'd be awful. You're losing so much. Because, <sighs> yeah, the raging prevents you from casting no, spells. No, it'd be pointless. It'd be pointless. Don't do that, please. No, I actually can see somebody really wanting to do that and not understanding the implications, <laughs> and then realizing that they just totally shot themselves in the foot. It'll be cool. Once I get in like too much danger, I'll misty step out. No, you're raging. <laughs> no. You can't do that. 
I'll drop my rage and Misty step out. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like the war magic feature level seven where you could do a cantrip and then make a melee attack. It's really awesome. But again, as a barbarian. You're raging. Why raging, would you bother? Right. Unless it goes back to you know, three <clears throat> level dip. You have three rages a day. There, there's a chance, decent chance you're not going to have a rage for every single encounter. So it's just kind of like an alternative. We talked about that recently. I think it was barbarian ranger right but it's, it just kind of sets you up with just alternative ways of fighting right which i like that i always love that kind of style where it's like well you know based on this fight i think raging is a great idea because there's you know a bunch of little damage and i want to you know whatever handle that this way whereas like ranger if you're using hunter's mark okay i'm not going to rage because there's one enemy and i need to kill that really quick right sure with this one uh i think that both classes kind of do the same thing to an extent which is hit stuff till it's dead. Uh, and you're going to have a lot harder time of finding those completely different play styles. Right. Um, like midway through. Yeah. Eldritch Knight, you're really limiting yourself. Yeah. Like, because especially they don't really have a lot of out of combat spells. No. So, I mean, sure, you might, if you do a, let's say, a three level dip into Eldritch Knight, the barbarian who found a book, great. Maybe it makes more sense than going three into Wizard. Then you're getting like, you're getting some good stuff. You get action surge, you get second wind, and then you get whatever third level Eldritch Knight stuff is, which is the weapon bond. I like that. I think you could do that while raging without issue. Yeah. And then you get a couple of spells, which as you said, are not going to be good at all out of combat. <laughs> Honestly, no, there's all. some good ones. You get shield, but I'm saying if like you're out of rages, but as you are taking a three level dip into it, and you continue on in Barbarian, it becomes less and less useful because you have less times where you're not raging. Right. I mean, how often do you run out of rages as a Barbarian? I mean, maybe, I won't say never, because maybe your DM, like, has a good way of setting that up that you're, like, able to just, they they hold you. If you're held for a round, you lose rage because you didn't make an attack and you didn't get hurt. Right. Great. Okay, that's one way to drop it. Um, And if that's the case, you've got some shields in your, your arsenal. Yeah. Oh, you know what would be a dick it. DM move? If you've got a barbarian and you're just like sick of their shit, you just like roll initiative. There's like 20 goblins. And then they're like, raw rage. And then you immediately like dispel the illusion. And it's just like one guy and he runs off. <laughs> <laughs> just find ways to waste their rage. Throughout <laughs> Some the like illusion is made. And it's like, oh, regular guys. And the guy, the barbarian screams and scares them off. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. That's just me. I mean, it, don't do it all the time. Do it's it like, like nine once. to ten times a session. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be pretty darn funny at least one time to like, you know, you just, you know that resources are going to be important. So you just have this overwhelming fight and they're like, oh man, only thing to do now is rage. Drop it. Wasted rage. <laughs> See you next right. time. Unless they're at least give them a check to figure it out before it but it would be an intelligence check so. yeah <laughs> it would be even better is like everyone else succeeds on it and they're like uh gary that's that's just an illusion and he's like i got this <laughs> too late i'm already mad um i think there's a couple barbarian features that make it so that you just don't exit rage yeah those are persistent rage and stuff like yeah, that that comes later is that a relentless rage at 11th yeah, level no, no, that's the one that you no, can keep fighting. it's Persistent Rage at 15. You yeah. are correct. It only ends if you fall unconscious or if you choose to end it. So that just ignores the time ends limit. Ends early. Yes. Ends early, so it's still only a minute. Yes. Okay. 
Okay, so, so you could spend a turn not attacking and not being hit, and you don't lose it. Right. You could spend five turns doing that if you wanted to. Yeah. I just don't get why you would do that. You're mad. Go hit right. something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You're a barbarian. Go do barbarian things. Um, I'll add on Storm Herald. Meh. Don't bother. There are some times where yeah. I think flavor-wise it works out, and it might be and worthwhile. With the Ranger, With the Ranger yeah. I liked it. Um, but this one, just don't bother. Well, I, I, except for, for flavor reasons. If for whatever reason you have a character that it's not bad. Yeah, and I think there's there's a lot of potential flavor here for like a barbarian who starts off with literally whatever path you want, and then decides I'm gonna be a little more tactical about my rages here, and you know, get some other weapons in my arsenal, basically. Right. So with that, then yeah, sure. If you're if you think Storm Herald's the one that fits, you've got a sailor background, you want to do C, you're from the desert. You want to stick there? Don't care. Whatever it is, that makes sense. Um, I still don't think it's going to be fantastic, mechanically speaking, but it's not bad by any means. Right. How about Berserker? I hate that one. I really hate Berserker, too. I mm-hmm. I don't know. what What's the point of it? You can make an extra melee attack as a bonus action. While raging. While raging. Like... And that's if you activate your frenzy, which gives you a level of exhaustion. Yeah, that's the level of exhaustion is killer. That could somewhat mesh well with our little crit build thing, flavor-wise and mechanically. That extra attack that you are kind of losing as a fighter. It's it true. starts to mean more when you crit 10% of the time. It gives you a, I'm going to go out all out just this once. Just this once. Yeah, type thing in your the back next time you definitely made, made this joke before. <laughs> Oh, no, not just... Yeah, 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 we've made this joke tons of times. But that's that's a thing in D&D that, like, this frenzy kind of fits, where it's, you know, you're right. not going to be using it every single encounter, but, you know, it's the last one of the day, and you're like, ah, oh, I'm going to go all out. It's going to be crazy. And then as long as you know there's not another encounter afterwards, you get your long rest, you remove right. your exhaustion. It's not the end of the world if you have disadvantage on ability checks for a couple hours before bed but you're not going to use it first thing in the morning. Right. Unless you are truly a berserker. Yeah. And then you're going to use it all the way up to like level five. And then you're like, all right, all right, now I got to stop. Yeah. I'm going to take a week (laughs) off. Sorry about all that, that frenzying guys. I'm going to just take it easy for a little here. And then the next fight comes and he's like, I gotta go. I gotta go. (laughs) (laughs) Hope you got a greater restoration, buddy. Cause I'm not stopping this train. (laughs) That would be, that would be an expensive party. member. (laughs) Yeah, especially with exhaustion. If so, if you stack up multiple levels of it, so if you have one level of exhaustion, then something happens to give you a second one. Like it stacks up, and then the um, effects stack. By taking a long rest, it only lowers you one Correct. level. Correct. Yeah. So if you get up to four levels because you've raged four times and did this all four times, it will be four long rests before you back down to zero. Right. And when you get up to like, I think at five, you you can't move anymore. Like your speed drops to zero. <laughs> but can you still attack? <laughs> Wheel me to that dragon! <laughs> Swoop me! <laughs> you have to have another barbarian just to carry you, or a furbog, because they can like they've got that huge carry capacity and just throwing you. <laughs> yeah, level five speed reduces to zero. Six is just death. You yeah, just right, die. Right. <laughs> so you, you could just kill yourself with this. Yep. <laughs> That's why I was saying like at fifth you use it and you're like, you better got a you better have a greater restoration ready because yeah. for the yeah, record, yeah. you don't die until your frenzy's over, I think. So, um uh, at third, you get disadvantage on attack rolls and saving throws. Reckless man. 
<laughs> every time. Yeah, two is speed, half, one is the disadvantage. <laughs> reckless every time makes it even <laughs> Like, how, how, obviously, obviously you're going to do reckless every time. <laughs> every time. <laughs> that way, I, I'm going to be honest, that is actually kind of a funny character. Yeah. yeah. I think it'd be very for frustrating a one for shot. your party, but. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for a one shot. Yeah, also, yeah, four four levels of exhaustion, hit point, maximum halved. Oh, resistant man. to damage, bro, I don't yeah, care. Yeah. No, it would be hilarious for a one-shot, because near, like, the final fight, you are going to be at, the, like, if you use it every single time, you're now <laughs> going to be at that, like, four or five levels of exhaustion, and you're just like, don't care. <laughs> keep going. That would be a great end of the one-shot, though. Right, either your you death die, frenzy, right? essentially, like, you guarantee your own death as soon as the rage ends. Yeah. You're like, oh, I'm gonna kill this thing, though. Right. <laughs> Guys, I just met. I hope you bring me back. <laughs> That guy was a little too intense. I, mean, I, I appreciate what he did, but let's just keep it loot for ourselves and go home. No, no one has to know that we didn't do this. We didn't do anything wrong. We didn't do anything wrong. He he literally killed himself with this. But guys, I have a revivify still. No, come on, come on, come on. Come on. He's probably going to still be mad when you wake up. <laughs> That'd be even better. He wakes up and immediately enters into a frenzy. <laughs> Who killed me? You dare bring me back? You've only seen the beginning of my rage! <laughs> That's hilarious. Somebody steal that. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, yeah, and then three le- levels in fighters. So can... <laughs> I don't even know why, man. For a uh, battle master to bring a more tactical side. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, no, of course not. You go champion, so that way you can be even Prince, better. Yeah. And then, you know, again, the really action surge just keeps it like it, it hasn't been explicitly stated in the way that it needs to be. Oh, yeah. Action surge as a barbarian is great. Yes. Just, oh, I love that. I love action surge. It's such yes. a good dip for fighter. Yeah. Basically, you get a second action on your turn. Yeah. You get it back on a short rest. The short, short rest, right? Short, yeah, 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 it's a short yeah, rest, yeah. which makes it so good. I was going to say, long rest would be a little more, yeah, but yeah, yeah. short rest is just fantastic. I mean, there's yeah, just... Yeah, so you could do a well raging or whatever, and then get two extra raged attacks. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm, stacking up that damage. Or your frenzy, just keep going. <laughs> just keep going. That would just be two. Five attacks. It's a bonus action attack. Oh, oh yeah, so five in total. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, that's just too many attacks. One thing that always, like... The monster like word rises me, or like just I forget about for barbarians is the rage damage doesn't go up until ninth level, and then just it's the only plus, plus three. Yeah, it's it's plus two yeah. until ninth level, and then it doesn't go up again yeah. until seventeenth or sixty. Yeah, I think that's balanced. So it's kind of in line with dueling, the dueling fighting style, which you do plus two if you have a one handed weapon, right? Only. Um, but it doesn't have the limitations of that. It's it's limited on rages, so you still get to the plus two, both like a big two handed weapon. Mm-hmm. So it seems, I think it's balanced well. No, I think so too. I, I don't think it's crazy. It's just, it seems like the rage damage is what makes rage so important. But then it's like, oh, but it's only two damage. You know, it's not like crazy high right. damage. But it's, also the resistance. There's other stuff yeah, to it yeah. that makes it worthwhile. I'm not saying, oh yeah, throw out the barbarian class. It's garbage. <laughs> only plus two to rage damage. It's just, I, I literally forget that it's like, well, you know. It feels like it's, we overstate it, but right. it's still pretty damn good. Right. You know? It is. Yeah. It's consistent plus two damage. Yeah. And then the criticals are just amazing. Mm. One thing that is worth very much noting is 
both the capstones you'll be losing are pretty tough to swallow if you don't get them. Yeah. I think the Barbarian's capstone is like maybe second best in the game. What's number one? Number one for me is the Druid, which just breaks the game entirely. Unlimited wild shape. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Especially if you're a moon druid. Oh, it just breaks it. You're 120 hit points every single round just for free until you die of exhaustion. Yeah. That's not, that's not, you broke the game. (laughs) But this one's close with plus four to strength and constitution up to 24. That's insane. Very much. And then the fighter one is what, the fourth attack? Fourth Fourth attack. Which is, yeah. Fantastic as well. Action surge, eight attacks. That's and you get action surge twice per short rest by then. Wow. Oh yeah, I forgot that goes up. Yeah. And uh fighters are great. Fighters are great. And that's <laughs> I mean sort of barbarians. Two rounds in, I hit the demi-lich sixteen times. Oh <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, really. Where is it? Jeez. Yeah, action surge at 17th level, you get a second use of action surge and a third use of indomitable. Um, oh, we could just choose to re-roll a saving throw. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, action surge. I don't. I think you're. It, it doesn't uh, have any limitation. You could use it twice in a round. So I you could have. So. That doesn't sound right. It. it uh, no. That's push not. yourself beyond normal limits. On your turn, you can take one additional action. So if you're action surging twice, I think that means like on your turn you can take one. Oh no! I'm sorry. Action. Final final thing, but only once on the same turn. Okay. Yeah. There yeah, we go. That is correct. Okay. But so still, it takes you two turns to hit the damn lich. 16 freaking times. Right. <laughs> well raging. <laughs> well raging. <laughs> mall. So it's 32 extra damage. No, yeah. no, 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 you can't well, rage. That's where you lose it. That's because this is 20th level. Oh. Oh, you're right. Oh, this oh, is where, man. that's oh. what I'm talking about. Wait, because not entirely. Well, okay. You're still going to get close because 17th level fighter gets you the second action surge. So I guess that doesn't really matter. You're getting three attacks. All of them raged. I didn't want to hit him. What is that? 12. 12 times. It's not enough. 16 times. But well, 12 times well rage with the bonus damage. Well, that's tempting. But I want to hit him 16 times, <laughs> especially with my crits. When you absolutely champion, yeah. definitely have to hit him 16 times. Fighter level 20. <laughs> Just wait for the wizard to hold him. Oh, oh God. God. <laughs> that's why well, Demi Liches and other high level things have. Uh, Legendary resistance. That's it. Thank you. Yes. But like reckless attack, get around all that. Oh shit! Yeah. I mean, well, you don't get the auto crit. You but you're right. But yes. Yeah. Right. So yeah, seventeen levels, three attacks, two action surges, uh, twelve hits in two turns, all with advantage. Twenty four die rolls. Yeah. That's already giving you at least one crit in normal world. Right. Yeah. But you know. Yeah. Be champion, so you get the. And at that point, you would have the eighteen end. And thank God I took this two-level dip into Paladin so I can smite. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Multiclassing's dumb. (laughs) Make it illegal, man. I actually, like, the reason I mention that is because I do really like the idea of 20th level fighters and barbarians. Yeah, yeah. It's a great idea. They're so easy to play, but they're so ridiculously powerful. I still think it's come down to like 1% of the D&D communities play the level 20 campaign, though. Yeah, or true. even a one-shot. I mean, it just doesn't happen. We've never even done it. We've never played at level 20. Nope. Literally ever. Nope. So, until... We should get around to that. Just like a one right. or two shot. Yeah. Why not? That's the problem, because a one or two shot, we're going to... I don't know what my character can do. I didn't that's, that's choose champion yeah. fighter. Yeah. 
I say I would put stipulations on it to just not come with like a wizard. Don't come with a wizard or a cleric or a druid or a bard. Yeah, I mean, there's or a sorcerer. Not really. Warlock's fine though. I hate to say it, but like, really. there's there's something not fun about a 20th level wizard in my eyes. Like compared to a 20th level barbarian or fighter, where you're just like, wow, I'm awesome and I can just like hit shit all day. Level 20 wizards, it's like you can still only cast one spell at a time, and some of your spells are just basically game breaking at that point. So, shrug, you're level 20 now, I guess. Yeah. Hope you've got an entire spell book memorized, nerd. <laughs> <laughs> Which, why is like one shots don't work? Is like if you played that character for like three years, right? Yeah, building like, up to 20. Oh, I yeah. have so much shit I can do. Yes. Imagine, like, in a one shot, would you ever use a first level spell? No, you'd be like, all right, bottom of the list, what do I got? What do yeah. I got? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I got the question the other day. This is totally getting off topic. But somebody asked, like, how do I make a level 20 campaign or session, like, difficult? And I was like, you know the six to eight encounter rule? Yeah, you need to follow that. And it's basically, like, you need to have six to eight difficult encounters. If you're like, oh, yeah, I'll just throw an easy one their way. It's like, no, that's not worthwhile. Six to eight. And that's the, the issue is it always gets really ridiculous. Like, what is six to eight difficult encounters for a party of level 20s? Like six to eight things that should not exist simultaneously on the material plane. Or such a large amount of those things that combat is going to take you three hours. Right? You have to fight 900 goblins. Fuck off. Fucking goblin arena. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, there are ways that, I mean, a couple, um, say like a, a death knight is uh, challenge rating 17. Mm -hmm. And then it's got some CR 10 minions. Great. That's a pretty good encounter right there for some level right. 20s. Um, dragons are an obvious. Sure, sure. Dragons. dragons but that that's point. the like the daily combat. It's like, oh, time for six to six to eight ancient gold dragon fights today. Yeah, yeah, when you get to the point of 20s, the campaign needs to be coming to an end. Right. Or it's just a one shot. And you're at the point where you're like fighting your way through the nine hells. Right. Mm -hmm. Though apparently now you could do that starting as level one. But yeah. <laughs> you, you don't what? actually get to the nine hells until okay. level five. Okay. Is it, is it a one? What's what? This one is, to thirteen. Okay. Yeah. You're fighting in the night. Uh, Descendant to Avernus. That's it. Yeah. The new campaign. Yeah. So yeah, I mean it's difficult, but you're right. You right. should be finishing the campaign. Now yeah, the only like hunting down the Trask and right like the, the cult of ancient dragons who is trying to bring them about for whatever reason. Right. You know, crap like that. The only thing I could see is uh, like if you were, let's say. You know, it's coming to basically the end of the campaign. You're like at level 17 and you're like, wow, setting up these encounters and having like multi days, like multiple sessions between long rests is getting super over the top. Everybody levels up three levels. You're all level 20 and we're ending the campaign at 20 and we're going out with a bang. I could see that because it's like at that point, screw it. Everyone's got ninth level spells and they're right. basically their max stuff. Get your capstone. Let's go all out. That's a good time. I could have seen doing that at the end of the Rin campaign. That yeah, I, I, was, I was just ago. thinking that, yeah. Because like I, I know you were getting burnt out for pretty much that exact reason when right. we hit 17. But like, you know, if we yeah. did one more where I'm like, you guys are all level 20, I'm sure everyone would have been pumped. It would have been great. I could have made the last fight even more difficult, which is great. Ending still would have sucked. So <laughs> <laughs> not a writer, man. <laughs> so then Barbarian, Fighter... I feel like we've said all we can about it. Yeah. But it is great. Do what you want. It's Do what the, you want. This is another open-ended one. You, As long as you stay away from range and magic stuff, you're basically golden. 
Yeah, I mean, pay attention to what levels you drop off. Like, there is the overlap of level 5 of extra attacks and your ability to score improvements on every 4th level. But if you're the fighter, then the 6 and 8 and 6 and 14, yeah. But yeah, and I will repeat that I think it's really important to note that this is one of the few times we're potentially taking 5 in each and, you know, going past 5th in each multi-class for Marshall can be worthwhile if mm-hmm. you're if you're doing it smart. Yep. And but always, always listen to your grandparents. <laughs> they multiclass before you. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're good to move on. Right I think so, too. Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, so before we do that, we'll have our promotional minute or two. I mentioned earlier that today we are doing a cross-promotional thing with the Crafty Gamer. Uh, they have provided us with a little gift basket to give to one of our listeners. So they are giving us a themed soap and candle to go along with our multi-class and our monster of the week, the Kuotoa. Maybe I said that right. Kuotoa. Kuotoa. Why not? Uh, So at the release of this episode, keep an eye out for your chance to enter in on Twitter to get a gift basket here of Barbarian Soap and their High Seas Candle to make your combat on the high seas or just your campaign or session, whatever, get that extra depth to it. As uh, I think there's a lot of ways to bring immersion into D&D. Some people use music, some people use minis, uh, but one that's often forgotten is smell. The most nostalgic scent? No, not scent. Uh... Sense. 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 Thank you. See, sense and sense. So close. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's a really great way to bring you into the session. I've been using them for the past couple of weeks here in a dungeon I've been running, and it's just a good way to shift everybody's frame of reference into that that dungeon-y feeling, or again, if we're on the seas, into that feeling. Yeah. And a little small point about candles. It was just a little detail I like. So we, we play with battle mat and minis, and then we have these little candles on the battle mat in the middle. And just the kind of the light it casts on the minis. I w- it sounds like such a small, stupid thing that like, I'm really <laughs> stretching here, but I'm not. Like I like I really enjoyed the lighting the candles provided to the minis in the battle map of making it just like look a little more real. Yeah. I like the harsh fluorescent lighting just like <laughs> beaming down from the ceiling. I'm like, this feels normal. I bet well, they've got this in a beholder's dungeon. I should install some sconces in my basement. Yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> put some candles on there. We'll play by candlelight no, from now like on. Like true, like old school, like kerosene torches. Just, like, <laughs> just here in your basement on your wood walls. <laughs> we can heat treat the ceiling. <laughs> Is that a really good use Soot of our time? Soot marks are nice for resale value. I think asbestos yeah. works. <laughs> some of that in my tiles so uh yeah so uh find it on twitter that is monsters underscore multi uh and we'll come up with some way but there will be a tweet at least that uh directs you to enter in and uh we'll announce the winner on our next episode so that's all i got for the promotional bit on to our monster yeah. of the week well other than that follow usual stuff follow us on twitter leave uh, us it a was review. all that was implied yeah. i was skipping yeah. that this time cool <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Alright, Monster of the Week. Alright. This week's monsters are the Koatoa. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry, the Kuotoa? Um Kevin, help me out here. Yeah, Kuotoa. Yeah, okay. We've... So we found out that we've been pronouncing this wrong for the past four or five 
since we ever found out about these monsters. Um, but luckily, because of this podcast, we get to, to learn how to say things correctly. So the Kuo Toa. Uh, these are fish-like humanoids that were pushed off the surface of the earth, usually into underground caves long ago, to just sit and fester in their own madness. And they have done something that really no other random D&D monster has done, is gain the ability to create their own gods. They have this weird ability where if they really, truly believe that something is a god and worship it as such, they can literally transform it into a god. Beyond that, they themselves are pretty weak little fish people and can be some really great lower level fights. What do you think? I've used them a bunch <laughs> <laughs> recently, especially like in Out of the Abyss. You had a Kuotoa companion and then they kind of just kept, kept popping up in the campaign. And yeah, they are completely insane. It really makes them great to play because just any kind of odd behavior, um, anything like that just sort of fits and works with it. They, they become a memorable encounter. And then especially the part about making their own god. So they, you run into a Kuotoa encampment somewhere and have them worship anything. Right. Yeah, they could be worshiping a boot. Ooh, boot god. And then the boot actually comes alive and has to fight you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's uh, kind of a tough part on the DM to then like make a stat block for that weird thing. Right. Um, but it just gives you so many tools to make a odd, memorable encounter. Um, the first stat block for the Kuotoa is not very impressive by any means. I mean, it's a challenge rating one fourth. It's got an AC of 13 HP of 18, uh, something that can be a very run of the mill fight. That is, uh, the equivalent of goblins, but on water, you know, you're like, Oh, I need a low level fight. They're on water. Yeah. Kuotoa. Perfect. But, uh, they do have at least some interesting aspects to them. Uh, small stuff like their slippery ability, uh, or passive, if you want to say, where they have advantage on ability checks and saving throws made to escape grapple adds some nice flavor. They got slippery fish skin. Perfect. <laughs> Great. Have you ever tried grabbing onto a fish? It's very difficult actually. Yep. Um, but they also have sunlight sensitivity, uh, which means that if you're ever fighting them during the day, you're kind of wasting your time. I think one thing that I did really like about them though, is their sticky shield which is one of their reactions. Basically, when a creature misses the Kuoto with a melee weapon attack, uh, they can just like stick out their sticky shield that's just covered in some goo, and they just stick that melee weapon to the shield until the person spends a action to remove it if they initially fail the saving throw. So, alone, yeah, kind of interesting. But, luckily for us... Uh, they do have some other stat blocks here to ramp up the difficulty uh, when the time comes. One is the Kuotoa Archpriest that actually gets a good amount of spellcasting. At challenge rating 6, they are a 10th level spellcaster. The Kuotoa, Kuotoa Whip, just a challenge rating 1, again, lets you kind of spread it out a little bit so you can have more than the bottom levels here. Right, and the whip also has spellcasting. Um, I find it, the Archpriest interesting because it's such a big gap. You have the Challenge Rating 1 4th Kuotoa, the Challenge Rating 1 Kuotoa Whip, and then the Challenge Rating 6 Archpriest. Right. Which I think can make for a really cool moment where 
you 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 keep encountering these Kuatoa, and they're kind of pretty easy fights. And, and you like they're, they're gibbering and saying crazy stuff. And it's like these are just crazy weird fish people. It's like whatever. It's not right. a threat. And then you run into the archpriest of a bunch of whips, right? The Kuatoa Kua. Kuo Toa whips. Trying so yeah. hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whips, and then all of a sudden, it's a really tough fight. Right. I mean, that, that is a large jump. No, that's actually a good point. That'd be great in a, like, I don't know, let's say a level five group where they're fighting some, they have some of these easy fights with these one fourth challenge rating Kuo Toa, and they're like, what the heck? Like, why are we even bothering with this? And then you throw in that archpriest, a couple whips, maybe some monitors as well, which is like a, a variant of the whip. Um, and now you're getting spells thrown at you. Uh, you've actually got some some tactics being brought up. Um, one of which is the uh, Kuatoa whips have bane uh, and not really much else to use. They don't. They get what first three first level spells: bane and shield of faith. So you're kind of expecting them to use one or the other. Bane is like really, really good in this scenario, though, because the Archpriest can cast spells that affect saving throws. And of course, your uh, first thing that you're going to do with the Archpriest is use Hold Person. Right. And I would use Spirit Guardians. Would you really? Is Spirit Guardians concentration? Yep. So... I guess it really depends which one makes more sense. But you can also cast Spiritual Weapon. Jeez, they have a lot of spells. Yeah, they, yeah, they do. They're basically <laughs> like uh, they're clerics. They are. Yeah. They're, they're basically 10th level clerics at that. Mass yeah, Cure Wounds. Person, spiritual Weapon, Spirit Guardians, Divination. Yeah, Mass Cure Wounds. Yeah, no, Archbreeds are tough. Yeah, and so as I say, throwing it in with that kuato whip where they're just casting bane on all of your everyone getting minus a d4 to their saving throws well they're throwing out like legitimately good spells that are basically you know one kind of out of nowhere compared to fighting these challenge rating one fourths to start right could be pretty intense right yeah in the kuatoa their their entire culture and life is built around their religion of whatever god they are worshiping and every they're very much built around capturing individuals where they're going to try and capture party and probably use them as sacrifices or something for whatever God they think they've, that they actually have yeah. created. <laughs> so it's right. kind of an interesting thing to take in on all that. You don't have to worry about too much about throwing something too hard at them because they will absolutely try and capture them. And it just kind of turns into another encounter or, you know, some form of the sacrifice actually happens because there's other people around and that actually brings the God about or whatever. Right. Yeah. We've talked about that a lot before where uh, when you are throwing encounters at low level parties, it can be really worrisome if you uh, accidentally make it a little too rough um, and it's really easy to, to cross that line. Um, so I, I feel like a lot of times I've noticed that these weaker lower level ones, I think the Grungs, Goblins, and now Kuatoa, all have the same idea where they're like, yeah, they're really big on capturing. So like if you accidentally decimate your party, don't worry about it too much. I think these guys are actually the, uh, like the perfect counter to the gnolls. Cause if you fuck up a low level knoll encounter, like, Oh, they captured you. Right. Right. They didn't. No, they ate you. <laughs> <laughs> these guys, sticky shields, the disarm people nets. They've got grappling poles. Right. It's perfect. Right. Yeah. I mean, especially with the, um, disarming thing i could see it uh being used where 
basically your options are you're you're grappled if you don't let go of the weapon so maybe it makes sense yeah sure i'll let go of my weapon maybe pull something else out and then they just run away and now you're like oh what the heck (laughs) i'm like right a couple others come up just toss nets over you um i noticed that they don't use the net weapon they have the net ability meaning that they don't get disadvantage I guess, yeah, so it is a... Never mind, I'm sorry. It's the same mechanic. It's the same mechanic. At five feet, they get disadvantage. Would they get it at 10 feet, though? No. It's only at 15 feet that they get disadvantage. Right. Okay, so they can stay 10 feet back and just throw nets? Or is it saying... I think they get extra range on their net, isn't... Regular nets are 5'10", aren't they? That's why it sucks. No, they're 5'15". Then we've been wrong about nesting the entire time, dude. Nets are actually amazing. Yeah, nets Getting are now. disadvantaged. Yeah, as long as you're just in that 10-foot range. Which you always are. It's perfect. Oh, no, no. No, that's we're not dumb. how that works. We're dumb. Yeah, yeah we're, we're being really dumb. No, it's, yeah, if yeah. you're beyond 5 feet, you're in the disadvantage range. Right. If you're beyond 15 feet, you just you can't, can't do it at all. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> Gaslit. <laughs> Thanks, So, Will. yeah, it's still always at disadvantage. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter. Their it challenge rating one-fourth just can't. It Throw doesn't like matter. Of them. Right. I say right. it's that's more your thing is you don't even have to have combat Kuoto. You can just have net ones. Um, I actually did that with the goblin fight uh, in at the beginning of this recent campaign where basically there was goblins whose sole job was to just try and net people because what the heck do they care? They're just here to throw nets <laughs> and it's really annoying but you know it's a numbers game at the end of the day if you uh have one person or one kuoto in this case just trying to throw a net it's plus three to hit and disadvantage it's probably going to miss but if you throw three of them one of them might hit and then it's really frustrating to try and get out of right. they either have to use their action it's a really basically that they're going to use their action if they fail that they messed up because it's a dc 10 strength check um or, or five slashing Yeah, which is still using your action. Right, 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 right. Though I guess if you, well, you probably aren't going to be fighting these things at level five. Maybe you are. But if you have a attack action, then you can just destroy it in one hit doing five damage. And then you've got the rest of your turn. Uh, so that's really not as big of a deal. Man, that's really a shocker. They fall off in, in usefulness pretty quickly, don't they? Yeah, yeah. somewhere around uh, level zero. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I mean, you still get the idea of them. Like maybe they get a couple throw nets around the ones that didn't have to throw the nets now get their spears and start stabbing in. Uh, maybe the person risks it for a turn because there's still a group of them around and they try and make an attack. They miss you sticky shield their, uh, their weapon right off of them. And now they've got rid of their slashing damage. So now they have to throw it off. Right. Yankee might, if they do get netted, they are restrained. So they get disadvantage on all their attacks, yeah, right? Yeah. Including the one to hit the net. Yep. See, I know that it's only, again, 10 AC, but it's yeah. possible to miss it. Yeah. And it's specifically slashing damage. A lot of times people do not have that. I can't hammer my way out of a net, Kevin. Nope. <laughs> Nor pierce. <laughs> no. Um, is the it, rapier blown the fuck out. <laughs> is a dagger slashing damage or is it piercing? So I feel like everyone has a dagger on them. I'm not sure. That one kind of bothers me, though, because it's like, it should be does both. a dagger not have a blade? Could I not just switch it up if I want to? It should be both. But then you're dealing with possibly not doing enough damage. 
you need to do five and the dagger is 1d4 plus your tax so it could be two or, turns. or strength it's yeah, yeah 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 but it doesn't have to be in one turn no Just dealing five slash it has five health essentially yeah it's piercing by the way yeah but like Boo. if if somebody was like oh can i cut this with my dagger it's like oh no it doesn't have a a sharp side at all it's just <laughs> just a pointy bit sorry just a tiny rapier bud <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's it's a big knife i feel like it's pretty pretty obvious you can switch that one up that'd be just carry a short sword man <laughs> everyone all the time i'd be pretty upset basically or you can toss the damn damn nut off you you know that's... yeah that's probably the safer <laughs> bet it's true it's true you could have like a 20 minute argument with your dm about the nature of the damage of a dagger or <laughs> you could make a d10 strength check <laughs> <laughs> sure it's not that hard um but, you know, if you're underneath that net and you've got an archpriest who's just hitting you with a spiritual weapon right. and holding you there in the, the spirit guardians as well. Oh, that's a deadly combo. Yeah. I love that combo as a cleric with spirit guardians plus uh, spiritual weapon. There's nothing preventing you from doing it. And you can just anything that's in there or casting it next to them. You just absolutely destroy them. The only... Other thing is if you have two of the archpriests and one of them uses hold person. Can you really have two archpriests? Um, I mean, I got like, the impression they like just try and kill each other so much that it's not likely. <laughs> no, it's it's true. I don't think there would be a good reason to have two of them because the idea is that there's an archpriest and they've got their whips underneath them and maybe some monitors as well. But uh, it does also talk about how basically the archpriests it's it's their children right the whips are their children mm-hmm. uh, what's in the at least one of at least one of thank you um the idea is that they're trying to fight to the death to claim the throne when the arch priest dies so i guess a really one way you could play it is you know you've got one of the arch priests who's currently an arch priest in training now you've got two maybe you weaken it a little bit it's kind of up to you i could see some reasons for it uh, at the very least enough to give it hold person <laughs> i don't know man like, when, just when, give a different monster man fair when you guys encountered the kuatoa and out of the abyss there were more than one archpriest there but the that village was splintering into multiple religions and each one had an archpriest and also yeah, they did not get along right well okay well that's fair then then you have a, a three-way battle those are always fun yeah oh <laughs> like halo yeah <laughs> it's actually four-way technically but it was just you <laughs> i was at four way you're saying that covenant okay Ma, uh the robot guys flood, flood and oh. then like you in the back robot guys what are you talking about uh the mean robot guys with the lasers oh oh yeah 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 you're saying okay when you were Guilty actually spark. like in the uh the very end of the halo campaign gotcha okay spoilers dude <laughs> <laughs> all right so the robot you meet in halo not a good guy fair warning <laughs> i know that game came out 20 friggin years ago is it that old? No, not yet. 2001 or something. It's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, it's over God. 15, though, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I say, yeah, I'm trying to think. I remember playing it with an elementary school friend, so. <laughs> oh, yeah. The good old days. Yeah. <laughs> Do you even remember Halo coming out? Uh, was, it, was it just kind of one of those things you were just always like, so, Halo's always been in existence? No, Halo 2 was a thing. I had a lot of friends who who played Halo 2. Halo 1 
Totally went over my head, though. That's for sure. Combat evolved. Yeah. I'm just looking it up. I think it was 2001. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it was 11. And then Halo 2 was like three or four or something. Yeah. But yeah, that was definitely like, I had a bunch of friends playing Halo 2. But I didn't have an Xbox. I think I got a GameCube like in 2006. So it's pretty late to the game on everything. Maybe 2005. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Years are just made up. So what's better than the net is for the Kuotoa whips, they do get their pincer staffs, which don't right. apply restrained, but they can grapple on a hit, which is always really nice because then, you know, their speed's reduced to zero at least, um, which could then make it easier to throw on a net. Eh, maybe not, no. but it, it gives them the ability to do some battlefield control, which I really like. Right. And it's a 10 foot <clears throat> reach. Oh, and, yeah. The idea it's basically like a pole with uh, pincers on the end to like reach out and grab somebody and hold them there. I got to say the art does not get that message across. Yeah, it's kind of shortened, but they actually have yeah. these in Japan because in Japan, nobody's got guns. So when someone's freaking out in Japan, they usually have a knife and the cops will run around with these like not pincher staffs with the horrible blades on them, <laughs> but like big Y's and they'll like pin the guy to a wall while they like disarm him. It's it's it really seems, crazy to watch. Seems yeah. really effective. It, yeah, they <laughs> work extremely well. What, but it's just like this thing without the blades. Oh, okay. That seems healthier. I mean, like a better. <laughs> yeah, I, for... the Japanese treat their fellow citizens better than the Kuatoa will likely treat your adventurers. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> so, what's the deal with the monitors? I don't know, man. Uh, it, like, like, yeah, why doesn't it just have its own stat block? Well, no, not so much. Why doesn't it have its own stat block? But like, it's. I just don't really get what they're going for with it. It's a Kuotoa whip without the spell casting. Yeah, they're the the most physically capable of the Kuotoa. Okay. Challenge rating three, they hit harder, they have multi-attack, stuff like that. They enforce the Archpriest's bidding. They're like the enforcers gotcha. of the law. Okay. Where they're the kind, whips... kind of the cops. Right. Where the right. whips are more like assistant priests. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, the whips get their magical powers from the Archpriest. Does it explain where the... So they have unarmed strike, 1d6 plus 2 bludgeoning, and then 1d6 lightning damage? Yeah, I don't know, man. It's kind of weird. <laughs> so, like, they, they lose their spell casting, or they don't have spell casting, but they still have, like, some magic that nobody else gets. Lightning punches? Basically, it's shocking grass, because then you can't take reactions if you get hit by it. But it <laughs> didn't say it's a shocking grass. I, I know, I was saying it basically is. So it's... 2d6 plus 2 and then can't yeah i don't know it's weird it's, a, <laughs> it's actually a good addition to uh the repertoire of kuotoas but it does not make a lot of sense kuotoa kuotoas yeah i mean i guess you're you're right because if you um they're very good it seems like at basically holding somebody where they're at and basically coming up and tasing them that's yeah what they're perfect for these really are just are these just japanese police <laughs> <laughs> just the japanese police okay <laughs> maybe minus the archpriest thing but I um know. no i mean I, I like that combo though so you get the kuoto whip grapples somebody and then you get a couple of the monitors to come up and then just start shocking the crap out of them yeah not a bad combo and biting them and yeah bite, bite and two unarmed strikes they get two unarmed strikes yep oh wow I mean, they suck. They really do. I mean, there's not a lot going on here. 
No, I mean, that's actually really strong, though, at lower levels. 1d4 plus 2, and then and if both hit, 4d6 plus 4. Their biggest threat is they have, like, 65 health, so now they're not going down all the time. Right. So, I don't know. You can make fun fights out of it, but it definitely has a limit. I think at the end of the day, what, what really makes this interesting is, again, putting the uh, work in as the DM and making it feel weird. Uh, having a god in there that is weird. <laughs> I think their their main god is like a um, a sea goddess that they attach. She has a name. What is it? Can you say it? Because I can't. Blip dul pulp. Oh, I love the pulp. Yeah, I love Kuatoa. We haven't mentioned it yet, but I think it's the only it's the most valuable thing the Kuatoa bring to this game. <laughs> it's just their names. Their names they all names. sound yeah. just like. Bloops and blops. Just dropping stuff in a lake. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Um, but yeah, yeah that the, was really fun and out of the best at the Kuatoa, Kuatoa Village. Shroop to bop. Yes. Shroop to bop. Um, but yeah, it's the Sea Mother. Uh, it takes the form of a female human with a crayfish head and crayfish claws and a shell covering her shoulders. And it basically was come up by a uh, Kuatoa put these pieces of a crayfish on a statue and then started worshiping it and then it became real yes <laughs> <laughs> and like it just you know if that's the written stuff the the things that a dm with too much time could think of could be really good um i actually used these once in a campaign that neither of you played in um it was no. the i had like a pirate campaign basically and oh you played in it for a little bit you were a lizard detective yeah, yeah. I we did fight those. We were just he didn't do anything. He didn't know because I set up this whole thing where like basically there was an island and these bandits landed there, found some Kuatoa, realized that like what they were and what they could do had them they the Kuatoa ended up worshiping their leader as a god, gave him magical powers. I was like, "Oh, they're going to land on this island, discover it and like really feel compelled to to just go through this entire fight, you know, and like free the Kuatoa and they all just landed and they're like, so these little fish people are just like your servants. And they're like, yeah, like, and you're a magical guy with just a bunch of powers and really powerful. And yeah. Um, all right, well, we'll see ya. And they just <laughs> left. <laughs> I was like, no. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Why would you fight that? <laughs> I was part of that. That was a oh, great campaign. Yeah. At the very beginning. Oh, like when oh, we, remember up. we went to oh, yes. island and all that yeah. yeah it was kind of around that okay yeah i remember yeah not fighting it and then we were like saying like so, do you have any like ambitions to leave this island? like no i just want to live the rest of my life here koto is serving me they seem happy right I don't, if it wasn't me it'd be someone else right 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 like, and it, it was just so, it was so funny i just like it was one of those times where i realized like huh i don't think i set that up very well <laughs> I, I personally think that is a perfectly viable way to play your game is you don't have to do stuff. You no, can you're right. Kind of sightsee and have fun. No, I think that was actually adventures. it. Yeah. Accidentally became a good exploration pillar thing. Where right. It's like, oh yeah, there's just an island out there uh, where these bandit guys are just like ruling the Kuatoa. Right. I remember I was confused because when you were talking about, it, I was thinking the Sahugan, which are a little bit not. They're not like the Kuatoa at all. No. They're like militant and not insane, but right. Yeah, the Kuatoa are like fun versions of the Sahugan. Kuatoa. Kuatoa. Yeah. Sahugan. Yeah. 
God, we suck. <laughs> Back on the names real quick. Here are the prominent Kuatoa at and in the out of the best um for one part. The names here. Ploop Ploopine. <laughs> Bloplopod. Okay. Glue Glue Gog. G L O O G L U G O G G. Oh yeah, Glug Glug. Yeah. <laughs> It just gets worse. Um, but there's only one more. Clibdolo gut. Where's that one coming from? I feel like the other ones kind of fit a pattern. That one's just like he didn't mush his mouth enough. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, who's our buddy? Like it. Shushar. Shushar. That, that was like the most normal. Yeah, it's because yeah. they realized he can, he like he's going to be around. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. K L I B D O L O O G U T. Yeah. So remember that when you're naming stuff. Yes. You've got to just... The word itself needs to look almost indistinguishable. Yeah. B's, D's, P's, L's, O's. It, you really shouldn't be able to read your own handwriting. <laughs> just make <laughs> noise. Ah, uh, yes. The coup to a god. But yeah, these are... They're fun. I, I really appreciate when you can throw spell casting into the, the low level fights. Yeah. And these clerics are, I don't know. They almost kind of make me nervous. You really got to like be prepared for what you're doing as a DM, I guess. Right. Uh, it's, it's challenge rating six, but if your party doesn't immediately know to deal with the spell caster, then it's going to get out of hand. Yep. Cause it's not like, you know, he's got, one, I don't know what spirit guardians, and then oh, we broke concentration on it. It's over. It's like no, he's got two more of those, and if he wants to, he can dip into his higher spell slots. Because I really don't think he's going to use scrying, a fifth level spell, in the middle of combat. No, <clears throat> that does give you the ability as a DM to really just it makes you realize uh, how paranoid they can be. Because one thing that I noticed on scrying is it says like if you cast it what is it like twice oh no not scrying i'm sorry divination is what i mean divination is something that lets them communicate with their god so using that once they're going to communicate which with whatever weird god they made but if they cast it two or more times before finishing their next long rest there's a 25 percent chance for each casting that they just get a random reading so when you're a PC and you do that, that means that, okay, maybe I'm going to get some some bad information. Right. When you're a Kuotoa and you have three castings of divination, that means you're probably doing that every day to try and talk to your god. And you're just going to get weirder and weirder responses <laughs> coming to you. So not only are they going to create this weird god out of nothing, but they're also not even going to have any idea what it actually wants. And they're going to bastardize that too. Oh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> What should I do? Uh, throw every rock in the village into the stream. <laughs> and your players run into them. It's like fervently throwing every rock they can find into the stream to please their god. Exactly. And all it does is just continue to make that god more powerful. <laughs> <laughs> so everything is wrong that comes to it, but also in, in its own way a little bit right. Because they just make it right. They're weird. They're very weird. And gross. Little fish people. I don't like them. The way they look, at least. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
Anything else on the Kuatoa? That's all I got. Nope. Okay. Same. Cool. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to go on Twitter and look for our tweet about the Crafty Gamer for your chance to win a gift basket of soap and candles. Next time on Monsters and Multiclass. I was going to do a vampire voice, but I can't do it after that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I can't do it. Um, uh, Oh, I know how to make myself sound like a vampire and not feel goofy about it. Watch this. Join us for an extra spooky episode of Monsters and Class. You didn't need to say multi. (laughs) What?